In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and liberator. Amen. Today's Holy Scripture talks to us of many things, including comfort, compassion, and commitment. First, we get the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah that comes right after the 39th chapter in which God has proclaimed a harsh judgment on Israel. So this chapter, the 40th chapter, is a response to that. It's an image in which uh, the, the condemnation is met by songs of praise, by a response, a poetic response of praise to how good and how um, mighty and how creative and how basically God takes the long game. God looks at the long uh, run. God calls us to a path of uh, sustainable uh, beauty and gratitude and this 40th chapter of Isaiah is uh, a, a chapter of comfort for those in a world who have gone away from God. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, the prophet asks. Who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. I needed these words today particularly thinking about um, in my family what's a big deal in the elections in El Salvador and um, not to go into detail but um, how the constitution is being broken there by the candidate running for president and how today basically is the last day of democracy. And so I need to think about the God who makes the rulers of the earth as nothing and the God who takes the long uh, game, the long view, and the God who helps us to come back to walk the way of God so that there may be abundant justice and love for all. So in Isaiah 39, the prophet gave a judgment to King Hezekiah. He said Judah would soon be overtaken by Babylon. That is such bad news. But after this ominous message, we're reminded by Paula Jefferson, the biblical scholar, comes the second major section of Isaiah. There are three major sections. And the, this section that we read today is known as the Book of Comfort. 
Whatever it is that seems overwhelming to you today, these words from Isaiah can remind you that those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In these opening verses of the book of comfort, the image of God's majesty is presented through this beautiful poetry. And for those who have heard Isaiah's prophecy, this poetry would, is, would have offered a contrasting view of God as the consoling deliverer. We can respond to the harsh judgment of our worlds to see where the contrast between sin and redemption is at work today. And work without growing weary, walking towards a redemption. Great comfort indeed. The psalm that the choir sang so beautifully today is a psalm, obviously, of praise. The commentator spoke of it as an endless alleluia. And I'm going to admit that usually I go to the psalms when I need a companion in lament, because there's nothing as visceral as the songs of lament, right? And when you read them and you're in a, in a, and you need a companion to feel a little bit sorry for yourself, like I did when Luz signed the letter of agreement with the cathedral, <laughs> she knows I'm going to miss her. And I went to the Psalms of Lament, felt sorry for myself, and then read the Psalms of the Endless Alleluias. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant it is to honor him with praise. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars and calls them all by their name. This is a word of endless alleluia, a word of praise, which is an option that we have before us when walking the hard roads of change in our lives. This is an invitation to remember and describe God's good works, an invitation to praise. For thousands of years, this psalm has reminded us to praise God from who all blessings flow. And we are to remember that in good times and in times of sorrow. Great is our Lord. There is no limit to his wisdom. In Corinthians, Paul proclaimed the gospel with no expectation of payment or other earthly reward. 
This observation comes from Paula Jefferson. She explains that Corinth was a society in which success was known by wealth, power, and prestige. Sound familiar? Paul sets himself apart from secular recognition. The gospel is God's message of grace, and Paul will do whatever is necessary to bring the message to all of God's people. God's abundant grace is available to the weak, the slave, the citizen, the Jew, and all others of Corinth. This must have been such a peculiar message in a city that prized status. And we know that many of us all around the world living in societies like Corinth, and it is our daily invitation and our daily walk to proclaim the gospel, which is that that abundant grace is available to all, and not just those on the top tier recognized in the secular world as most worthy. In the gospel, the passage, there's many ways to go down very interesting um, uh, lines in this gospel. There's so many ways, but the core of this gospel continues to reveal the healing power of Jesus. For those in Galilee, rumors were traveling quickly about the healer. People were coming to see him, and Jesus retreats from the village of Capernaum to pray alone. I take this as even Jesus gets a little overwhelmed with all the needs of the world sometimes. People were wanting to heal, be healed, and he healed them, but he went off when it was still early and still dark to find some comfort in the early morning darkness and to pray. But his disciples wouldn't let him be, and they went out finding him, hunting for him. They wanted him to return and keep healing. But Jesus announces that it is time for him to travel throughout Galilee to proclaim the message, the gospel message, because that is why I came. A universal message of hope and compassion and commitment And so I think in these first few days of the month of February about some of the people that exhibit the characteristics of comfort in the face of adversity, compassion in the face of unhealth, and commitment in the face of all odds against um, against them. I think of the 
first black Episcopal priest, Absalom Jones, who stood up to call and to hear and receive God's call at a time when there were no others like him. And I thought about what he must have overcome and the hate he must have received and the barriers he had to overcome and the courage that he had to overcome them. We celebrate his feast day today, but not everybody thought he was a saint back when he was responding to God's call. Breaking those barriers takes a toll. He committed his life, and we are blessed for it. I think of Polly Murray, the first black woman ordained in the Episcopal Church. I think about how she thought her of herself and identified herself and as a problem child of the Episcopal Church <laughs> because she was black and a woman and worked for civil rights. I think the day she could walk, she started working for civil rights. And she spoke into the racial divisions and the racism of her day theologically. And she spoke into those uh, unjust systems and what some people called competing interests, recognizing the web-like nature of oppression. She suggested a theology of relationship through which the formation of complex and democratic community became the goal of ministry and social activism. From her perspective, a proper response to God is inseparable from attention to human need. In either case, one is required, she said, to engage fully, to risk oneself through connections to others. Who is Jesus the Christ to you, she wrote. Is he the young couple and their child who came into our midst last week and through whom a minor miracle was performed? Something must have happened in church the week before she wrote this, right? <laughs> Don't know all the circumstances, but I've seen those minor miracles happen here. Who is Jesus Christ to you, she wrote. Is he the lady next door who speaks only Greek and with whom we communicate almost wholly through body language? Is Jesus a sister or brother church member who, who aspirates you one day and embraces you the next? Is Jesus the surgeon who saves your life and then asks for you to pray for him in an upcoming difficult operation. 
Is Jesus the person who is hostile to you, gossips about you, passes on unfounded rumors, yet cries out for love and understanding? Who is Jesus Christ to you? And obviously she is calling us to see Jesus in each other and in holding up the dignity and through a complex and committed and compassionate relationship with our neighbors. In the gospel, Jesus held his hand out to the woman who was sick. And I think about all the times throughout our lives that we hold people's hands. Our children, our nieces, our nephews, to lift them up when they've fallen. And that moment between, are they gonna scream to death, <laughs> to death or are they gonna be like dusted off and keep going? And that warm, soft palm and a helping hand know how to deal with both. I think about how good it feels to hold a person's hand and feel connected and how healing that is. Jesus held the woman's hand and healed her. And in that healing there's hope. And today we can participate in that healing through proclaiming a gospel of abundant grace for everyone. A gospel of comfort and how big and beautiful God is. Even when it seems like the world is going down the wrong path or something is not going right in our lives, we can sing praises to God. And so I end with this poem by Polly Murray. She wrote, Hope is a crushed stalk between clenched fingers. Hope is a bird's wing broken by a stone. Hope is a word in a tuneless ditty, a word whispered with the wind, a dream of 40 acres and a mule, a cabin of one's own and a moment to rest a name and a place for one's children and children's children at last. Hope is a song in a weary throat. Give me a song of hope and a world where I can sing it. Give me a song of faith and a people to believe in it. Give me a song of kindliness and a country where I can live it. Give me a song of hope and love, and a brown girl's heart to hear it. Amen.